Welcome back to the Futures Green podcast. Today we are joined by Sarah Esch to explore the practice of yoga and the well-established associated health benefits that come along with it. Sarah is the owner and founder of Zen and Fit LLC and a certified IIN health coach, personal trainer, and yoga and bar instructor. She founded Zen and Fit to provide a niche yoga experience to the community that surrounds her. When did you first decide you wanted to be a yoga teacher and what has your certification process looked like since you started and as you've evolved in practice typed and expertise, just what has that looked like for you? Um, So it's been a long journey for me, Um, a very long, uh, beautiful, bumpy, exciting, um, you know, no expectations, sort of, you know, having to grow and really keep that mindset because that's what it's all about. But I started, I started yoga at the age of 16. um, And then when I first decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher, I was 22. um, And I was attending hot yoga classes at what we now call Blaze Yoga Studio in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, And that used to be uh, Bikram Yoga Studio. Um, so, uh, and you know, there's the whole thing with Bikram now. Um, so a lot of Bikram studios have changed their name, hence Blaze Yoga Studio. And I also was attending Evolution Power Yoga at the time. Um, and that's actually where I did one of my yoga teacher trainings, um, through the Evolution Power Yoga, which is Baron Baptiste, uh, style training, um, which is like your power yoga flow, vinyasa flow style, Um, and yeah, so I did, um, I did that teacher training, I think around 23. Um, and then I did, I completed another, I completed a yoga teacher training in 2020 in, um, Bali, Indonesia. And that was with a school called the house of Om, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, it's an international um, holistic yoga school. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the computer here. Um, and that was, that was just, that was really just a amazing experience. My favorite and just something that I'll never, ever forget. And I learned so much. I had four teachers. Uh, one was from Dubai. He was the owner of the school. His name was Wasam. I had a teacher named Peewee. She was from the Philippines. I had another teacher named Jeremy from France, um, and then Rahil, and he was from India. Um, and they just, they were also unique and different. They brought different styles and, um, you know, methodology, philosophy, and um, it was just, it was really cool. And then, of course, I met people from all around the world. I think our class had, we definitely had over 20. I'm not positive how many people were in the class, um, but like literally from everywhere, you know, Mexico, Malaysia, Germany, Poland, France, Canada, there's a lot of Canadians, um, which I love Canadians, they're so nice, and um, like, again, just everywhere, there was Italians there, people from Argentina, so it was very diverse and cultured, and um, really interesting, and some of the people in my class didn't speak very good English, too, so that was really interesting, trying to simplify you know, this teaching style. So we were kind of taught that way if we were to do retreats or to, uh, you know, travel the world and teach yoga, 
we were taught in a way that we could communicate with people who might not teach or, or might not speak our, our language. So it was really cool. Um, so I did those trainings. And uh, after I got back from Bali, um, I was there for a month. And um, the training was, you know, every morning, 5, 5.30 a.m., go to the hut. We would meditate for 45 minutes. And then we would do four hours of yoga practice. It was like two hours in the morning. We'd have like um, breakfast and then lunch. And then later in the evening, we did another two hours of yoga. Um, and we had two different teachers lead. And then we went over anatomy, methodology, philosophy. And it was really cool. And we did that for 25 days and then had three days to celebrate my graduation and just enjoy. I went to a place called uh, Changu, which is really popular there. Um, and then I came home and I was super inspired. It was right after COVID um, or right after the pandemic had started, though, which was, you know, really scary for a lot of people. But I was so inspired and excited to start teaching and working privately. And that's kind of where I really uh, wanted to focus was one on one working with beginners or sort of like intermediate um, level uh, yogis and um you know, because it's more intimate. I think it's special. You can bond with your students and just you can mirror because um, yoga is so much more than just being on the mat and doing the physical practice. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm kind of going on here, but it's, um, you know, I've been teaching now for six years almost, which is really crazy to think about. And I just love it so much. It brings me it's just, it's really rewarding to teach and share the practice of yoga and what it means. And um, it's just been really wonderful. I'm really passionate about it. It doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't feel like a job to me. You know, it's more of like a, it's a mission. And um, I'm just, I'm excited what, you know, this next decade's going to bring. Um, and I will be going back to Bali in February uh, to do another uh I'll do my 300 hours, which will have me 500 hours certified. So I'm really looking forward to that. That Bali retreat truly sounds like a dream. It's funny, <laughs> Lydia and I have actually been talking a little bit about maybe doing one of those retreats in the future. I'm sure it was just so profound. It's one of those places too, you know, every time, I mean, literally any conversation, if it gets brought up, you know, whether the person's already been, which is really exciting to, uh, you know, when you chat with someone, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been there. And you chat it up. And you're like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Like, I want to live there. It's it's just, it's a wonderful, the energy there is just wild. And the people, I mean, there's people from all over. And it's just, oh, it's so, it's a really cool place. Um, but it's, you know, it was that cool that I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going to do my 300 hour there. Um, I'm actually going with one of my best friends. She lives in Atlanta. And she finished her 200 hour, I think maybe almost a year ago. And she and I decided we're going to go together. Uh, but what's really cool too is within this 300 hour, I'm going to be learning about how to run my own retreats. Um, and, you know, like more of sort of like the marketing and business aspect behind like running a studio. Uh, there also will be some more advanced training on uh, aerial silks, which that's something else I'm certified in. I'm certified in a few other, um, um, other activities. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I love to travel. So offering retreats is something I'd really like to focus on for 2024, um, and so on moving forward. 
that's awesome. I definitely would attend a retreat if you, if you did one. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll have a, you know, maybe I can host a retreat in Bali. Who knows? But I think starting in the States and then expanding to like Central America and Europe will be, you know, something special. I hope it happens. We'll see. Just gonna be fluid and not force anything. <laughs> so to jump into our next question, how has yoga helped you holistically and in what ways can others benefit and who do you recommend yoga for if any um so as a whole you know yoga has changed my life and uh, medically you know that's as far as changing change goes positive change mentally physically emotionally and spiritually it's just made a huge impact in my life and um I know that I can do the same for pretty much anyone. Yoga is literally for everybody, um, anybody. It doesn't matter your shape and size. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't, you know, it's it's so special. And how I was taught, um, you know, is the practice of yoga is surrendering. You know, that's one of the practices. It's just surrendering, you know, like we can't control things and surrendering to your higher power. Now I'm a Christian. So for me, that is God, that's Jesus. But, you know, for someone else, that's, that's something else. And that's, that is theirs. And that's what makes the practice so special. And, um, and not just that there's so many other things, but it it really, truly, I mean, it can help with, um, it can help create clarity, you know, it helps with stress management, your mental health, you're creating mindfulness, it can also improve your sleep and intuitive eating, um, weight loss, and your cardiovascular system. Um, And then of course, too, you know, you're creating, ultimately, you are going to create balance, um, better balance and posture and you're gaining flexibility and you're building strength with the the physical aspect. So um, there's a lot of pros. And if you've never tried yoga, you should probably check it out. <laughs> I love the part you mentioned about surrendering. There's, as anyone who does yoga, that mindfulness component, when you become so vulnerable in that room and then you're just practicing that over and over again. It gets easier. I feel like many people get discouraged in the beginning. I know I felt that in the very beginning when I was younger and used to yoga. Oh, I don't get it. Like I can't sit here, but it's a practice for a reason and you get better at it over time. Exactly. Um, so that's something that I always I, – I would say I mention it probably almost every class, but um, just reminding everyone that you know it is a practice. You can't be the best. You can't be the worst. Like you come as you are, you do what you can. And, you know, you have the help or guidance of the teacher, of course. Um, but it's really, you know, it's a practice. So with practice comes progress. You master one move, you move on to the next. And I think, yeah, some people, you know, especially beginners and especially males, like I've noticed this with a lot of students, you know, um, you just, you're embarrassed or your ego, you know, we all have this ego, which is constantly, it's there. And that's part of it too. Just like putting that aside and letting, allowing yourself to just be vulnerable on the mat. Like, again, just, this is where you are. That's okay. And you're going to grow and you're going to build on that. But if you're not open to receiving 
all of that goodness and like, you know, even off the mat, you know, we, we try things and sometimes you fail, but you're going to learn and you're going to get better. And that's kind of, it's the same thing on the mat and being intuitive is so important too. like listening to your body, not comparing yourself to the neighbor, you know, your person across the room and you see them doing these fancy poses and you're like, Oh wow. Like, okay, I'm not doing this right. And you push yourself and then you, you fall out and you, you know, and and it takes away from the pose and the practice because you're letting yourself go there when really you need to just like be in it, move with your breath and listen to your body. And if this is where you're at today, that's okay. You're going to grow on that. So, um, it definitely, it can be a little bit intimidating. And I remember that feeling too, like going to my first few yoga classes. And I remember too, you know, seeing some older women in front of me being like, oh my gosh, like, how are they doing that? You know, balancing pose that's so fancy or like dancer's pose and, and wanting to do it and pushing it. And that's too something we have to be, um, we have to be cautious too, because you don't want to get hurt. So yeah, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of things to think about before beginning your yoga practice. But like I said, it is for everybody. It's just a matter of going in with an open heart and like I said, surrendering and really just like just being there, being in it. And um, that's where the magic happens, really. I also totally agree what you were saying about the comparison aspect and just trying to focus on yourself and not those around you. How do you strive to be authentic in your everyday life when there's a lot going on around us and it's sometimes hard to maintain who we are in our essence? Wow, this this is a good question. <laughs> and, excuse me. I, I mean, this is something uh, for me, um, you know, I just – today's Mother's Day. Um, and you know, I just, I messaged my mother this morning or I think, no, I'm sorry. Well, I messaged her of course. And I called her, but I also posted something about my mother and, um, you know, I told her that her authenticity and strength has always inspired me. And it really has. And, um, there are times too, yeah, where I've gotten caught up in the noise or, being a certain way or, you know, even social media, like it's such a drag. It's so frustrating. And even from a business aspect of things, you know, we have this pressure to like be a certain way or like, if we're not doing this, then we're not going to be successful. We're not going to be a certain thing um, or qualify or whatever. And authenticity is so important. And, um, you know, I, I do come back to that. Like when I have my own self-practice and some days I get down on myself that I'm not a certain way or, you know, I, I haven't been showing up or maybe, you know, I just, I didn't accomplish something I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, we get discouraged sometimes and, you know, we have these expectations for ourselves. but when I step on the mat, I really try not to have these expectations. And sometimes I just need to throw on some, you know, some soft music or something, you know, with like a good beat and just like move and I'll close my eyes as I move. And that's where, you know, I try to get out of my head, but just remind myself to just be, um, you know, when it comes to my yoga practice. And then when I'm off the mat, I just have to remind myself that, you know, nobody is me and that's what makes me special. Um, 
I've actually been, give me one sec, I'm gonna grab this book really quick. <clears throat> Have either of you girls read the 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brianna? I think it's Weist. Weist? Oh my gosh, no, but that's on my read list. I definitely <laughs> want to check it out. Okay. Oh my God. So, you know, you just asked this question and I really, I mean, this book, I've been reading it just kind of, I love that it's short. It's like two, three pages at a time. Um, and this is kind of like been my airport you know, or flight go-to read and just like when I can like pick it up and read it or like before bed and just take, you know, 10 minutes to read, five minutes to read. And it's been so great. And I'm rereading passages and notes here. And this is, I mean, right here, if you want to embrace authenticity and just, you know, changing the way you think, if you feel like you really get in your head and you get anxious and stressed and um, this is just, this has been an amazing book, um, so far. I mean, I just love it. I'll just like randomly open up to a page two sometimes. I'm like, well, oh, all right, I'm going to read this one. And it's been really great. <clears throat> so that's a book recommendation from me. Might have to put that in the next fig book club. Yes. No, oh you my gosh. Do. Oh God. Maybe that'll be our, our fig book club read for this Friday. We'll have to solicit a, a review from you. you. Have to. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Even if you just read you know a few different chapters that you feel like really speak to you I think it'd be great for topic it's really oh, it's so good Absolutely. <laughs> like I, I keep reading I'm reading and I'm just like damn it I do that <laughs> like I need to stop <laughs> but it's good it gets it really has you know I just yeah I turned 30 last week and um this whole past I mean, of course, like you go in ebb and flow of like reflecting and, um, you know, times where like you just really sit with it and you're like, wow, okay. Um, but leading up to 30, I mean, it's just, there's been a lot of great uh, reflection on my part, I would say the past few months. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this next uh, decade. Absolutely. And your your <laughs> new, your recent move to Miami to kick off the new decade is so exciting. <laughs> For many yes. reasons, oh which God, leads us it. to our next question. Can you mm -hmm. share a bit about the work you're doing here in Miami? Yes. So um, I moved here uh, specifically for a yoga client, a very special client. His name is Dr. Scott Stieber, um, and he is now going into 12 and a half years with ALS. Now, ALS is an always fatal neurodegenerative disease in which a person's brain uh, loses connection with the muscles um, and uh, eventually, you know, other symptoms kick in um, and your lungs will fail on you or you have trouble breathing or eventually you can't swallow and which would lead to death. Um, it is a very sad uh, disease because there is no cure. Um, it's very unfortunate. Um, and uh, Dr. Scott Steber, basically, uh, he also lives in Lancaster. So that's how I was connected with him. Um, him and his wife have a beautiful family, four girls um, who are all grown up, um, older than I, and uh, families of their own. But they live in Lancaster half the time. And then they come down here for the winter until about uh, June. 
and um, he had a, a few different yoga practitioners. Um, I think one was also in Lancaster. They've all moved on, but uh, he was looking for someone new. He reached out to me. I met with him and his wife, and I just felt really called, like really drawn towards this. I was actually already kind of I was looking into some other opportunities. I was just feeling like I really needed to find something new and fresh um, that felt, uh, you know, that would really fill me with purpose and feel good. And this just like landed in my lap. Um, So I met with, yep, Dr. Scott and his wife. They shared their story about this yoga journey that Dr. Scott has been on. So he's been practicing yoga six days a week. Well, he really, he does practice every day, but six days a week where he's, calls it the sacred hour, 1030 every day. Uh, He is doing breath work and some stretching. Now he, of course, is limited, like his lower half. He doesn't really move much. He can balance on his motor wheelchair. The back of the seat is reclined. He will do like boat pose and lift his arms overhead. He does push-ups off of his wheelchair. He tries to do 50. And this is really, I mean, I think it's phenomenal because um, typically the, uh, lifespan, you know, after you're diagnosed with ALS, um, you have two to four years to live and there's only about 10% that live past that. And Dr. Scott is going into his 13th year with ALS, which is just a miracle. It's amazing. And I really truly believe that his breath work has, has everything to do with it. Um, so he's doing capilla body or, uh, like bellows breath and, um, if you're curious what that is, you can Google it. Um, but he, um, he and I will practice every day since we've come here in March, we've been practicing six days a week, uh, for actually 90 minutes. Um, and that includes assisted stretching as well. So I'm working with him every day. He's on a somewhat of a healthy diet. He still indulges and enjoys his, you know, his red meat and his wine. And, um, and I spend time with him and his wife. And then I also am here in Miami and I'm really enjoying it. It's been wonderful. It's very health conscious down here. People are super friendly. Um, I've been attending Moto Yoga Studio. If if you're in Miami and you're curious about the studio, it's amazing. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm working on this project with Dr. Scott until September. As of right now, we might extend that uh, contract, but we are also recording and we started a website for him called The Hidden Blessings of ALS. And it's where we're going to be sharing his journey um, and hopefully just a place where he can encourage and inspire and um, provide resources and just hope for others who have ALS and are battling this terrible disease and just, you know, um, help them to sort of find the good that's there, you know, because when things are taken away from you, that's when you really start to appreciate it. So um, I'll be posting about that a lot on my page, hopefully, you know, more on my page later this summer when we're ready and his website is published and we have the blog up. Uh, But that is what I've been working on. And it's been really amazing. And Dr. Scott is just, he's a retired anesthesiologist and he's, he's extremely intelligent. Um, he's been through some amazing life experiences. He's helped save, you know, a ton of people and, um, 
it's just, it's been really, it's been really great so far. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> that's super inspiring and definitely a great project to be involved with. So that's so exciting to hear that you're doing that and continuing through September, hopefully longer too, if you think it'll be beneficial for all. So this next question does tie pretty perfectly into some of what you were just talking about. How do you make yoga accessible to people from different backgrounds? And you touched a little bit on having different abilities. So I guess how do you integrate and cultivate a community that values respect and teamwork and pushes each other to be better when you have individuals who are all coming from different backgrounds? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, to touch on what I mentioned earlier, uh, just, you know, yoga being for everybody and there is this big, um, over, you know, the years I've had a lot, a lot of conversation kind of revolve around religion with yoga. Um, and that's been kind of, that was tough at first, you know, to, um, listen to people's opinions who really didn't understand don't really truly understand what yoga yoga is, or they've actually never tried it. Um, they just kind of have these stereotypes around yoga and, you know, it coming from, you know, it's Hindu or, um, you know, and that you're sort of, um, not to get too deep into it, but you're like, some people look at it as, as that, and you're worshiping these gods and, it's a certain thing. And then there's some people that just look at it and they're like, Oh, yoga is slow and it's boring and I just don't like it. Or you have other people that are like, Oh, I can't get strong doing yoga. And it's just like, it's wimpy or they sexualize it. And that's, that's a whole nother thing. And that's, it sucks to hear those things. And um, for me, I've had to kind of pause, you know, and really try to understand where this person is coming from and if they're projecting or, you know, if it's based out of fear, um, which I think is where some of that stems to. And just like the fear of trying something, maybe looking silly or stupid or, you know. Um, but for me, I try to approach it when someone asks with an open heart and I explain, you know, how I teach yoga and what it means to me and why it's special and why it's helped me. And that I love teaching beginners. I, I've also worked with children. Um, I've worked with athletes. I work with elderly people. I work with people who definitely have limitations. You know, they've, they've had a hip or knee replacement. And um, that is something, too, that with experience, I had to feel comfortable and confident to work with those individuals. And and, you know, there have been times, too, where I'm like, you know what, I'm just I'm not ready for this yet or I'm not comfortable or confident and I have to handle that or address that appropriately. And I think that's important as a teacher to know, you know, not everybody can be your student. I mean, that happens, too. But, um, of course, using props when I'm with students, I like to use blocks yoga straps, um, and blocks could be foam blocks, which are softer. There are also cork blocks. There's wood blocks. Um, the yoga wheel is really fun. Um, it's also, I think some people look at the yoga wheel and they're like, what the hell is that? I'm not laying on that. <laughs> um, but it's absolutely safe. I just think you, the 
you know, having someone there to assist you um, and be a guide, be your teacher is what's most important. Um, going through, I do health histories when I work with uh, students and they sign a waiver. Um, but just, you know, I do a lot of one-on-ones and that is something that I encourage, you know, if, hey, this is your practice, we're going to make it, um, you know, whatever you want it to be. I like to kind of cultivate and create um, depending on my student and just, you know, I encourage them if they feel like we need to pause or if I need to repeat something or if I need to workshop something and break down a pose. And if they're not doing the pose right, I'm not going to just let them continue to do the pose. Like we're going to get it right or we're going to modify it because that's what's important. That's why you're here. That's why you're doing a private yoga class is because you're trying to build your practice. Like I said, you master one move, you move on to the next. So for example, if we're in a balancing pose and you're standing and your leg is half raised and you know, you are having trouble and you're wobbling on your standing leg, you're not going to open your leg out to the side and open your hip because you're not ready for that yet. You need to master the first move, which is just standing there and balancing and grounding down with just your leg raised in front of you. Um, So I try to be encouraging in a sense that like, you're going to get there, you're doing really great, just be in it um, and be accepting of that, you know, of where you are. So um, to kind of wrap that up, I mean, I think it's important to provide tools of encouragement and, um, you know, praise, but also let your student know if they need to work on something um, so that they can do better. Sounds like the perfect balance of like a push and a praise. Definitely can say from experience, just like being in class, I definitely am always challenging myself, but I never feel like, you know, pushed, put down at the end or anything. It's always, you finish, finish on a high note. So always a good time. You never feel put down. Let me know and I'll go find that person for you. Never. Okay. You touched on this a little bit ago, um, talking about your future trip for another um, certification for the 300 hour, but mm-hmm. how do you plan to continue to educate yourself on the latest scientific research and yoga practices in your field? Um, so since coming down to Miami, I've been doing that by just going to class, um, as a yoga instructor, bar instructor, aerial yoga instructor, personal trainer. Um, and I also do, I work, I mentioned I work with athletes, so I, I also work with golfers for mobility and stretch. And as a teacher, as an instructor, you know, Sometimes we fill our schedule up way too much and we are work, work, working and we are showing up for other people, but we are not showing up for ourselves. Um, So coming down here, I promised myself, I was like, Sarah, you're going to sign up for classes and you're going to go to the classes and you are going to learn so much from doing that. You are around other teachers um, and that's what I've been doing. And it's been so wonderful Um, I also attended yoga joint, uh, for a few classes. I went to solid core for Pilates. Um, that's another thing that I'm currently getting certified in. I'm not certified yet. Um, I love Pilates and, um, the difference between yoga and Pilates too, that's been like mind blowing to me. Um, just cause I'm learning so much more about my body 
Um, I've been working with Deb Nalig, and she's an amazing uh, teacher. She's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, but even that, you know, learning about Pilates has impacted my yoga practice um, and what I know about my body. And, you know, our bodies are constantly changing and evolving. And as I get older, I'm going to need to adapt to those things. And again, be accepting and love myself and be humble and be patient. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, going to class, showing up for class for myself, like giving myself that space. Uh, for me to be vulnerable again, for me to learn, for me to hear, experience other teaching styles. Um, that's important. Uh, also going, attending workshops. I attended a workshop while I was here at Moto, and that was really fun. Um, I worked with Dan and Julia. They're great teachers and we did inversion. So getting upside down, getting into my pincha and, and like my scorpion and like major back bends and balancing on forearms and my head and my hands um, and playing with that. And like, yeah, it's kind of scary to get upside down, but it's also super liberating. Um, and that's something I'm still practicing. I can't be up in a handstand for over 10 seconds. Um, like you see it on Instagram, but that, that goes for a lot of yoga teachers. Like, and again, going back to people feeling intimidated, like you go on Instagram and you see all these yogis a lot of that's just for like the picture, the gram, like people, not everybody can just hold a handstand. Um, at least I can't quite yet. Um, but workshops and then again, my yoga teacher training, I'm really, really looking forward to um, the three weeks that I'm going to be back in Indonesia and all the new people that I will meet and um I'm going to be learning a lot. So this is kind of, it's been three years. So I, you know, I've been wanting to get back into another YTT and this is the time for it. Um, I am thinking that I will be helping lead yoga teacher trainings in the future. Um, I think I might be popping in one this summer, maybe in Lancaster. Um, it's not for sure yet, but uh, that's also something really exciting and honoring as a teacher to help others learn to become teachers. Um, so all in good time. But as of right now, I'm just kind of seeing what aligns and feels good. And I'm uh, really grateful for all of these things that I have access to them. It seems like you are definitely taking advantage of all the opportunities around you, wherever you are traveling. I know you are bouncing back and forth often right between Lancaster and Miami right now. Yeah, it's it's good. I love it. I love traveling now. I'm, I'm going to Europe in fall too, and I'm trying to reach out to studios right now and see what I can kind of get involved in and, you know, do. I like to do a little work on my trip because, again, it doesn't really feel like work to me. <laughs> the way it should be. Yeah. So for our last question – Yoga has become increasingly popular in recent years, but with that popularity, of course, comes a risk of commercialization and dilution of its core principles. So how do you ensure that your teaching style stays true to the traditional values of yoga? And if you have any thoughts on that commercialization, I know you touched on that a little bit before, but if you wanted to elaborate, we would love to hear. I will be honest for myself, I don't, I'm not the traditional yoga teacher. Um, I, this is, 
a good question. And I didn't actually prepare for this one at a time, but it's good to be put on the spot. Um, it's trying to, I kind of going looping back to authenticity, but respecting what yoga is and where it comes from, um, the spiritual aspect and allowing that for your students, like helping to create that space, I think is so important. I try to do that in every class that I teach, but I also like to, you know, in certain moments during class, like keep it light. Like if I see someone's face and they look really serious or, you know, they need just something to, you know, just get them out of their head. I like to give that to my students in class. Um, you know, I've, I've taught classes that are a little bit more serious and just more soft in that sense, I guess, not serious. That's not the right word, but more soft or spiritual, like sort of like a yin or restorative um, class. And then I have my upbeat classes. And if I'm being honest, those ones are usually my favorite, the high energy classes, um, which are a little bit more intense, I would say, um, you know, like giving space or breaking down, um, you know, a, a headstand and just kind of like, you know, everybody's up and then I'm like, everybody just sit down, sit down. I want you guys to watch me here. I'm going to demo this first and then we're all going to do it together. We're all going to try it. And if you're not ready for here, then I want you to be right here and I want you to just try. And then going around and assisting my students, like helping them try to get up. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a good feeling. Um, but I guess as far as, you know, there are a lot of, there's a studio that I tried here. I won't say the name, but here in Miami. Um, and it's, it's the same thing every time. And I went three times and I just was like, ah, you know, this doesn't, this is not for me. This is, you know, and that's okay. And it might be for somebody else. But for me, I was like, this feels stagnant. Like, I don't feel like it can grow here. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and some people like that. They like to show up to a class and know what to expect. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, they can build on those specific poses that they're repeating every time. Um, but for me, I like to go in, I feel out the class. And most of the times I don't really plan my sequence. <laughs> And I just teach from the heart. And um, I love to affirm um, or create, you know, a practice intention at the beginning of class. Um, I think that's really special too. So just being intentional with your class, um, that's important to me. Being intentional and just being able to create space for growth spiritually, mentally, uh, physically, emotionally. I think it's that's what's important to me as a teacher. And just that my students, you know, ultimately they leave class feeling much better than when they first walked in and stepped on the mat. I loved all of your points and how you were saying that. You can still respect the core values and also embrace this modern twist when you're talking about some of those high energy classes. Right now, one of my favorites is Yoga Sculpt at Core Power. And they're playing pop music the whole time. And it's also incorporating strength training. So putting a modern spin on it, but still, mm -hmm. again, at the core, making time for Shavasana and that intention at the beginning. So continuing to always have respect for those core values, but just a modern approach, which whatever works for people, mm -hmm. that's the way it should be. 
That's, and I would say that's my biggest, as a teacher, you, you go to other people's classes. Like if you have a profession and you, somebody's mentoring you or you go attend some sort of service that they offer that you also offer, like, of course you're going to, there's a small part of you that's going to critique, or maybe you hear something and it makes you kind of tilt your head and you're like, "Mm." you know, like you can't, that's just, that's natural. That's human. I think. Um, I try to not be in my head though. Of course, I'm trying to just flow and like be there. Right. Um, but for me, my biggest, like a pet peeve as a teacher is not giving enough time for Shavasana. So that final resting pose at the very end. And, you know, I used to be this way when I was younger and I'd go to a yoga class and you get to the very end and you lay down and you're supposed to be still and like, you know, palms up towards the ceiling, close your eyes, just relax, melt into the mat. And your teacher's using this soft voice and they're cueing you and, you know, maybe they're reading a passage or something. It's really relaxing. But, you know, back in the day when I first started this practice, I was still in my head. Like these thoughts would flow by and I'd grab them and I couldn't let them go or I'd be fidgety, I'd be moving it around. And I see that with my students that I work with. Every class, there's somebody or there's like five people that are kind of like, you know, they're already thinking about their agenda. Like, okay, where am I going after this or whatever. Um, So my biggest pet peeve though is, or are teachers who maybe give like one to three minutes for Shavasana. I'm one of those teachers that will give you like five, maybe eight minutes. But then again, I also like to go around and give hands-on assists. Um, And it really, I guess, too, depends how big my class is. Sometimes that affects the Shavasana. Um, But that is a time you're not supposed to just fall asleep. You're really supposed to scan your body. You're supposed to stay in your body and compare the beginning of class to what is now, you know, that feeling. Like, notice the difference Notice the opening, anywhere you feel release. Um, Notice all the new feel-good, yummy feelings that are flowing through your veins. Or, you know, also notice where you still feel tension or maybe even hurt. Um, You know, those are things that we don't get to release all of that in our classes sometimes. Or we can't, you know, Um, especially if you're holding pain in the body. So um, for me, like, I think that's also as part of a traditional yoga class, like Shavasana is so important. It's one of the most important poses, I think, in the entire class, Um, because it's really special if you are open to letting yourself be in it. You have to let yourself be in it to truly um, experience the pose. And that's all up to the individual. So that's another way that I like to try to keep my class traditional is um, giving time for that because it's important. I agree. A rush of asana is literally the worst. I absolutely hate that. <laughs> I like to have time to like wind down and just like reflect on what just happened and, you know, have a moment. But <laughs> Hey, but that's a time to like ask yourself. That's something I've been doing lately. Like when I get like really ticked off or like irritated or frustrated Instead of me like acting out like, and this has taken time instead of me being like, what the hell or, you know, whatever, (laughs) I will just, I'll take a moment, I'll pause and I'll just be like, okay, Sarah, why is this bothering you so much? Or why is this person ticking you off so much? Or like, why can't you let yourself be in Shavasana right now? Like, why can't you just relax? Like, what, what are you holding on to right now that you can't let go? 
So that's something to ask yourself the next time you're there. Just, you know, like, why is this so hard right now? Why am I making this so hard? Why am I in my head? And just try to breathe through that. So. Well, that combined with all of your other great insight (laughs) from today's episode, I think gets us to a good point to wrap up. We've had so much fun talking to you today. I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. Do you have any uh, closing remarks that we didn't get to ask in like the form of a question that you want to share? Um, I do not. I really, I enjoyed this discussion. Um, Thank you so much for having me. And um, I mean, if anybody has questions, please feel free to reach out to me on, you know, either my website or Instagram. I love connecting. Um, that's that's it that's all for us awesome yes everyone can find sarah on socials we'll tag her in all of our content and yeah so thank you again for listening